0: Today on Movie Rollers we talk about Knock at the Cabin, Magic Mike's Last Dance and Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania*. It's time for Movie Wallers. Hi, this is Joe. Hi,
1: it's Rashmi. And as
0: well. Movie Wallers is your weekly dose of film reviews, movie news, and general banter in theaters, on DVD, online streaming, or, back, or in the back of an airplane. you love the movies, this show is for you. Hello, hello.
2: Good evening. Greetings all.
0: I will be in the back of an airplane in less than twenty-four hours. Yes, you will. I'm good. Have I, you
1: downloaded all manner of I was just going to say, films?
2: yeah.
0: Well, you know. I was a bit bummed because uh, Rashmi's been bugging me, like bugging, literally. Like she watched uh, Succession uh, a couple of years ago and has had nothing but good things to say about it ever since. And I won't say I've been stubborn about it because I haven't, but I, I okay. may, may, <laughs> maybe a little because I think um, you don't trust my choices. No, well that too, but no, um, I married you. Can I answer the question? Um, is, is it a question? I'm trying to make a statement. You won't even let me make a statement. No, main reason uh, I don't want to watch it is because I think I'll get sucked in and there's like two or three seasons of it. So Yeah, your three back, seasons. Back of an airplane would be great to while away, you know, 30 hours or whatever. But um, HBO Max has two tiers and me being me, are, <laughs> I'm on the cheap tier and I can't download anything.
2: Yasti, have you seen Succession?
0: You have to pay.
1: No, it always sounds very unpleasant. Oh,
2: so good.
1: It's it, so good.
0: Rashmi did twist my arm into watching the first episode And uh, yesterday. Did it was you very, get sucked
2: in? Yeah, it was good.
0: Yeah. Uh, I like the characters. I think I get what the premise is. It looks like it's all about mean people doing mean things to each other.
1: Who are, who are no, related to each a, other. But and, there's a sci-fi component. No, very there wealthy. isn't.
2: No? There's no sci-fi element. <laughs> that's yeah. another program. No, Yasdi. No.
1: no. No, they're all disconnected in this in this workplace, right? No. It's very dystopian.
0: No. That's the Apple TV one. What no. was that one? We loved that one too.
2: No, that's um
0: Severance. Severance. Anyways.
1: Oh, Severance. So which one are you talking Succession. about? Succession. <laughs> Oh, Succession, no, no, that one is too mean That one is too mean, I've seen that I've seen, I think, the first six episodes Yeah, they're just out to Out Me, nasty mean, each other, bad family
0: being nasty
1: <laughs> Bad family I was like, <laughs> yes.
2: what, what sci-fi element Is there? <laughs> Severance, Severance Which is also a great show
0: Yeah, Severance yeah, is a good Yeah So Yeah All
1: right. No, but Succession you should watch if you haven't Yes, yeah, I've seen, I think, good. the first half Yeah yeah good very good writing and very good acting and,
2: and i would you know the second series is even better than the first and the third is even better than the second because you get so invested in the characters and the story just develops it's so good not that that's a pick anyway all right that's did you use up your pick
0: uh that can be my pick <laughs>
2: we didn't do that we can't find anything to watch on
0: vod yeah this is terrible this podcast has already fallen apart so um let's let's scratch it the wheels are
1: falling off (laughs) the wheels are falling off the bus
0: (laughs) let's scratch and reset we're in free fall (laughs) we have our segment i can't find anything to watch watch on on VOD. vod and i've already picked succession and goodness goodness else what else What's on your list? Um,
2: So I was going to suggest Bardo, uh, False Chronicles Mm -hmm. of a Handful of Truths, but I talked about that during our Oscar um, show. So I won't repeat that one again, although I sneakily snuck that one in. Uh, My pick is the movie Prisoners. From 2013, this was the Denis oh, yeah. Villeneuve movie
1: Denis Villeneuve. Uh, yeah. yeah,
2: with um, Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal, Viola Davis, Paul Dano's in here. And it's no, just, literally. it's a great yeah. thriller. It's such a good movie and you don't know what's coming at any minute. It twists and turns and it's smart and clever and horrific and just Fantastic prisoners on Netflix.
0: And if you're yeah, a fan of the show and you movie haven't about seen
1: it, yeah, no, no, go on.
0: No, I was going to say if you're a fan of movie rollers and you haven't seen Prisoners, uh, shame on you because uh, it should have made everyone's list uh, a couple of years ago. I think we
2: all gave mm-hmm. it a very high score. And yes,
1: yours, yeah, it's one of few. No, I was going to say it's one of few movies which makes the case that when something bad happens, we are so eager to blame someone, just to find somebody to blame and how that can kind of, you know, make us go awry. Um, my recommendation is actually going to be an unusual one because it's for a horror and everybody knows mm-hmm. horror, not my jam. And it's for a movie that's currently playing in cinemas. So one of the great body horror directors of all time is uh, David Cronenberg. He famously made the remake of The Fly, uh, he did Ringers, etc. Well, the uh, Apple doesn't fall far from the tree because his son, Brandon Cronenberg, has been quietly making very uh, disturbing movies. And he's made a movie called Antiviral and another one called Possession. This is the third one uh, we're displaying in theaters right now. It's called Infinity Pool. And I just, as the movie was going on, I just... Realize that this director is the real deal. Um, it's so fascinating. It's like a really demented episode of The White Lotus. Uh, so it's essentially about wealthy people at a resort and the extent they will go to use their privilege.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's so, so easily and so uh, slyly slips into horror as well as sci-fi, and it's um, it's got Alexander Skarsgård uh, in the, in an amazing you know l- lead role, and he gives his all for the movie. I mean, he just goes from being this cocky, you know, very privileged writer to somebody who just crumbles, just crumbles. And uh, Mia Goth, who has been showing up in a lot of uh, horror movies, she was in Pearl and in an X. Ex- She's here. She's fantastic. Uh, should watch this out out visually so beautiful genuinely unsettling the NC-17 of the movie which was shown at the film festivals uh, but the one which is showing in theaters is an R-rated version Uh, it really pushes the arm but it's got a great structure Um, Infinity Pool is what I recommend because people love horror and everybody's seeking out horror and I think this is one of the better made ones
2: and Yasti it sounds almost a little bit like um one on the boat
1: um oh yeah yeah a triangle of sadness triangle of sadness it sounds yeah it's kind
2: of sounds similar in in vain
0: is it an eat the rich
1: yes it is definitely eat the rich and it's also a very good commentary about how the rich use third world countries as their private islands to kind of you know abuse the resources there because they can you know, their dollar goes so much right. And it's never explained where they are But it's a vaguely Asian-looking country the, the movie was actually shot in Croatia But it's made to look like an Asian island and Which has its own set of rules And something bad happens And they have to face the criminal system um, So it, it, there's a lot of commentary going on there But just structurally, it's so good
0: Excellent
1: uh, Yeah This one is going to stay with me for a long time
0: Super Yes. And I I did have succession. My real pick would have been Formula One Drive to Survive, which if you've listened to Movie Wallace for a bit, know that I recommend Mm -hmm. that show almost annually. I think it's in season five. Uh, Seasons one through four have not yet yielded any disappointment. And I expect nothing less from uh, this season. So uh, fascinating fly on the wall documentary about the Formula One motor racing sport. And you don't have to be uh, a huge fanatic of of the sport to get uh, to get enough out of the show. It's very. It's just you know. It's anyone. Anything at the highest level, in you know any competition at that kind of you know level on the global stage is always fascinating. So, okay. So our three picks and where there. might
1: where might one see
0: this show? Oh, that's on Netflix. Very famously, uh, okay. A show that, um, so Liberty Media of all things a big media corporation bought the formula one spectacle a few years ago and they've been pushing it and one of their strategies here was to try and get the sport opened up to many people and they did that with netflix by doing a deal to do this Mm -hmm. reality show based on the sport all right so our picks were rashmi yours was
1: uh prisoners on netflix
0: yes do you had
1: infinity pool playing in your local cinema
0: And I had Formula One, Drive to Survive on Netflix and Succession on HBO Max. All right. Um, So I guess we should talk about our movies before we do so. Just a quick apologies. Yazdi, you sound a little crunchy today because you're not here with us. You are at Mm. your home, the Nuthouse, coming to us via Skype. So um, sorry that you are not as crisp and velvet toned as you normally are. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely crunching. I can't blame the internet Not for that so- one. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, uh, let's start then with our first movie of the week, which is Knock at the Cabin.
2: Yeah, and I'm sad that um, Joe and I missed the um, screening for this one, Yazdi, but you got to see this, another horror. Um, and this is the new M. Night Shyamalan movie, um, highly anticipated and the description goes while vacationing, a girl and her parents are taken hostage by armed strangers who demand that the family make a choice to avert the apocalypse and this has been made a big deal of because I think it's Dave Bautista's main like his. it's the first time he's in a starring role Um, so it has Dave Bautista, Jonathan Groff Rupert Grint is here of um, Harry Potter fame, Nikki Amuka Mm -hmm. Bird Ben Aldridge um, Abby Quinn, Kristen Quee and a host of others. Um, So this is um, directed by M. Night Shyamalan and written by him along with um, Steve Desmond, Michael Sherman, and it's actually based on the book The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay. So Yazdi, is this worth a watch? Has M. Night Shyamalan made a comeback? I've been hearing um, interesting things that this may be his turning point. And, you can't, and, and yeah, you're going to try been... and do a spoiler-free review, right?
0: Well, mainly because yes, we haven't yes. seen it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've been hearing about Shyamalan's comeback for a while, but I think he's I think he's come back at least a few years ago. He's been making really fun movies. Uh, there was the one about the grandparents. I yeah, think I it was love called that. The
2: Visit, love yes. that. Which
1: was so good. And then he made Old last year, which I also really I liked. Like I know that. you guys weren't so so hard about it. And then this is uh, his most recent one. I think this is definitely worth um, heading out to the cinemas to watch. As always, my single biggest issue with Shyamalan is the ending. I mean, I don't think he has stuck a landing since his heydays when he made Signs and The Sixth Sense and Glass. And, you know, he just had his hey period, Unbreakable and so forth. And I think we've talked about this before, he pushes himself in a corner because everybody goes to watch a Shyamalan movie expecting this big twist at the end. And I think he should just make a disclaimer that he's going to stop making movies which have twists at the end because it it just sets him in in a loop of failure because unless people are shocked at the very ending, they're like, oh, you know, that movie is a failure. I was very surprised by this movie because, number one, it's extremely engaging. I mean, nobody knows how to build anxiety and suspense out of thin air better than, you know, Shyamalan does. He's, he really has a gift for that. It's not a horror at all. In fact, one of the things I love about this movie is that all the violence happens off screen. And oh. there's a lot of violence, but it, all the camera always pans away. And I, saw, I thought, this is really interesting because it could have easily become a slasher. But it's not. It, you know, the camera always pans away. It's more... I think it's so effective because at every point, you as the viewer are asking yourself the question, "What would I do in this situation?" And it's it's very relevant to current times about people being intolerant of each other. You know, the 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 main protagonists in this movie is a gay male couple who have a little daughter, and you know they're they've gone to vacation in the woods, and you know there's a home invasion. So it deals with tolerance, it deals with, you know, conspiracy theorists, it deals with people who believe crazy things, it deals with the apocalypse, So there's so much. uh, And I think it's based on this book by Peter Tremblay. And after I saw the movie, I I have a big problem with the ending. And sure enough, I found out that Shyamalan took that Took that book, which ends very ambiguously, and over-explained the ending. This was my big problem mm. with old, as well as you know, he tries. He should trust the audience. You don't need to explain everything. And I think by inadvertently making a choice, there's only two ways the movie can go, and he very explicitly makes a choice which is not there in the book. And by doing so. Number one, he ruins the movie, I think. And the second thing is he inadvertently makes a movie which could be a rallying cry for the far right. I don't think that's his intent, but that's certainly a consequence of his choice. But having said that, I think the movie is extremely engaging. I was like watching, you know, with my eyes wide open and it has a really meaty questioning middle portion. So I, I really love this movie. And I forgive, I forgive the last 20 minutes of the movie.
0: Okay, Hmm. I'm inspired to watch it now yeah you know I wish um, you know you said it he paints himself into a corner by setting up this final act twist and kind of like Tarantino did and then he did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood which was polarizing to his fans but it made the movie um, in my mind all the more memorable and Mm -hmm. unique and it got him out of that You know, um, what is it? The Mexican standoff, which you always expect Mm -hmm. in a Tarantino movie, right? Like it got us away from expecting that, and that's that's quite an achievement for somebody with such a unique style and flavor. So, Shyamalan, I agree. Yeah, you know, he should go and make a. He should make a comedy. Yeah, Yeah, I guess he did the last Airbender, which was a disaster. Well,
2: that wasn't really a comedy. No,
0: but that was a kids Kids, movie. It was a disaster. Uh, But no, I mean, yeah okay well I'm always intrigued I mean the thing is he's so bankable because I will always go to see a Shyamalan movie um, regardless mm-hmm. of what you say regardless of what Rotten Tomatoes says or any of the critics um, there's very little you can do to put me off seeing a Shyamalan movie because if nothing else there's always an effort made to provide movie entertainment, entertainment yeah, yeah I, I think he's very earnest mm-hmm. in that regard
1: And I think he's incapable of making a technically poor movie, right? He cannot help it. He's too fine a craftsman. So the movie, the pacing of the movie and the the way it's been shot and, um, you know, all of that is just impeccable. Mm. Um, And, you know, yes, uh, Dave Bautista, you know, he's always playing the second fiddle. He's either playing, you know, the muscle head or the kind of, the comic interest, and here he gets to play a very serious character. He's front and center of this movie. He's in many ways the heart of the movie, and he he pulls it off very admirably. So, you know, for any filmmakers looking to, you know, have him as a lead in a movie, he demonstrates more than, more than capably. Okay. Uh, Rupert Grint has a small role, but very unusual to how we normally see him. So uh, it's very good. I, I think I just love the movie because it makes you, it'll make you talk about things for a long time after. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, well done for doing uh, a spoiler-free one.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, I know I've, I've had discussions with people and I said, I'm a scientist, I would always do this. And and I've spoken with other people and they're like, of course I would do the other thing. So <laughs> it's, it's very fascinating <laughs> because it... it it posits this ethical question in in front of the audience like what would you do in this situation which is which is quite something and
0: yeah. those things are always best uh, left I would... unanswered i think those things are always like cuz that that i think the 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 beauty of things like that is it does create the debate and mm-hmm. I, I like i like when the audience gets to to make their own minds up about what happens so
1: and also, it's very efficient. I think it's an hour and 30 minutes. The movie jumps into its premise right away. There's no filler. Uh, the action starts almost at the three or four minute mark, and it doesn't stop. It doesn't relent really in terms of story writing. I would give it an 8 out of 10 only because wow. a lot of people are so, ter- so turned off by the ending, or they didn't see the twist that they were expecting, and they were like, is that all there is? Well, that that is all there can be with the story, so... Uh, I I want to kind of uh, uh, balance that that kind of negative reaction. I I really enjoyed it. Eight out of ten.
0: Very good. All right.
1: Yes.
0: Next movie, then, is going to be Magic Mike's Last Dance.
1: Very good. So I will be introducing that one. So this is the third movie in the Magic Mike uh, franchise, if you will. The original Magic Mike was... uh, written and directed by Steven Soderbergh, loosely based on Channing Tatum's own uh, experience. Uh, When he was younger, he was a male stripper. Since then, a second movie was made, uh, which was uh, Magic Mike XXL. It was the only one which was not directed by uh, Soderbergh. It was actually directed by Gregory Jacobs. And now for the third round is Magic Mike's Last Dance, where once again, Steven Soderbergh gets in the writing and directing, actually just the director, director seat. So the IMDb uh, one-liner is that Mike takes to the stage again, following a business deal that went bust, leaving him broke and taking bartending gigs in Florida. He heads to London with a wealthy socialite who lures him with an offer he can't refuse. It's uh, written by Reed Carolyn and uh, directed by Steven Soderbergh. And the main cast includes, of course, uh, Channing Tatum in the lead role, uh, as well as Selma Hayek as said socialite in London. And uh, some of the uh, old timers are also listed here, although I thought they were not in the movie, but um, at least IMDb lists uh, Joe Manginalo, Adam Rodriguez, uh, Matt Bomer, and others in the cast. So i missed this uh, screening the both of you saw it should people rush out for magic mike's last dance
0: go ahead Rashmi.
2: oh god um i wrote down three lines in my notes um and i'll read them for you verbatim very forced but entertaining the dancing's really good very efficient um this is a hot mess. I mean, it's entertaining and it's worth staying for the last scene in terms of the dance itself, because I haven't seen that done before. And I love watching dance. Um, but this is such a forced movie. It's so unbelievable. It's so ridiculous. I feel sorry for Salma Hayek, um, other than she got to rub herself all over Channing Tatum with without his clothes on and be surrounded by these naked men but this is awful this is really bad (laughs)
1: Um, that's what the reviews have been saying they've been pretty brutal
0: look um, Steven Soderbergh is one of my favorite directors but he's very hit or miss for me and um, he has a very casual style to his direction that to me it reminds me of the way Clint Eastwood movies work so if you've seen and Clint Eastwood the director not Clint Eastwood the you know the cowboy the, the um, actor you know, yeah uh, uh, the gosh Dirty Harry the Dirty Harry yeah um, right. so they feel as if they're made to a budget to a timetable and they they get the takes that they get and then they cut the film together from it and by that I feel like some of the movies' um, dialogue and scenes feel very loose and improvisational, and you know when that works, it's brilliant, right? Because you you feel as if a movie has an authenticity to it that um, you know uh, mm-hmm. that that is often missing from film. And you know, Haywire is one of my favorite Soderbergh movies. It, it stars a kickboxer turned uh, actor. Um, I think my one of the first Soderbergh movies I remember was uh, The Girlfriend Experience, where, again, he took somebody from like the porn profession and put her in a movie. And, again, that movie worked really well because there was a reality to it. And Channing Tatum has had a, an, a career as an exotic dancer, I think, very early on. That's how he kind of made yeah. his money earlier. So you put people in who have done the life into the movie, and then you have a casual filmmaking about it. You get something that feels authentic. To Rashmi's point, there's no authenticity here at all. Um, it doesn't work. It feels completely too casual. But what I will say is that there's a sweetness to this movie that I was not expecting. Um, there's uh, a raunch to it that I was I was expecting there to be to be more raunchy. I remember the original Magic Mike being a little bit more raunchy. Here, I don't think the the dancing is. Um, and you know, I'll I'll have to take Rashmi's word from the for a female perspective on this, but for me, it felt more like contemporary dance than um, kind of you know Chippendale type you know teasing dancing. I mean, yes, there are those moments, and yes, there are those moments that you know would would cause I think many a lady to to break out into a little bit of sweat um, and a and, a, and a, smi- a a chuckle and a smile. But I think um, for me, it was more about like the artistry of the dance which was really, you know, I I know nothing about dance. I'm not going to profess to have expertise here. But as a movie, there's a sweetness to it, which is, you know, carried by um, Channing Tatum's just effortless charm. And and Selma Hayek is having fun here. She's not taking herself too seriously at all. And and so, you know, the the movie just doesn't work as a, a piece of greatness. But I did have fun with it. Is that a mess of a review?
2: No, it's not a mess. I think it's just because the movie is a complete mess. It's narrated say, yeah. It's narrated by a young actress called Jamelia George, who plays the adopted daughter of Salma Hayek. <laughs> it's a very complicated setup, which is just so ridiculous. Um, it feels like a fish out of water story. And then they've kind of like wedged in this... Um, dance this this reason to have this dance troupe and for magic Mike to perform again, and then there's a very complicated divorce story going on it's just it's a hot mess um this this one completely lost magic for me. I mean I can sum this up this is a four out of ten for me
0: whoa no i I mean I'm gonna give this a seven because I think it's actually okay. I think you have to dispense with your any expectations. Um, I think the finale works really well. Yeah, that that um, last dance there is amazing. There is a amazing. scene that Channing Tatum does with um, a hitherto unknown character in the movie who literally just comes in to dance for that scene. It was kind of weird. Uh, she appeared, literally appeared from there, yeah. but she was, you know, um, it was it was telling the story of the movie through dance. So it it kind of, you know, it echoed itself uh, in, in many just ways. just in
2: case you didn't catch what was going on
0: uh it's yeah it's a little long but you know as as a back of an airplane movie i would totally recommend this 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 is uh harmless it's engaging enough i didn't feel bored i wasn't looking at my watch um yeah it's it's okay it's a dumb <laughs> now i thought it was going to be raunchier i think maybe rashmi was like all ready for for a bit more you know a bit more of a girl's night out with this one and i don't think it delivered that at all i mean i i
2: No, and I love the dancing. I mean, I love again, like I said, I love watching dance. And like you said, Joe, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's it's a much more contemporary type of modern dancing than a typical, you know, strip show type um, dancing, which I'm fine by. But it just, it is literally a square peg wedged into like a triangle hole. It's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. it's It's just so ridiculous.
1: It's such a disappointment because I think Magic Mike XXL is criminally underrated. It's such a good movie. Yeah, and I haven't seen, I didn't watch number two. It's so good because it's as much about friendships, you know, male friendships, as it is about stripping. It's about saying goodbye. It's about, you know, people who are at the bottommost rung of society it has so much to say and it's so much fun and it's warm-hearted it's genuine authentic so uh it's it's a shame i've also heard that uh from a couple of the reviews that one fatal flaw of the movie is that they try to incorporate a younger generation of dancers but the movie doesn't bother a single one of them to have a line of dialogue so they're just some random people who are just you know they have a montage of them Which is like that was actually the best bit.
2: Actually, that was the best (laughs) bit in the movie. Was the actual dancing by those very talented dancers, and the 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 perception is that they're all you know these are all people who are performing on the internet or in the street, and you know Magic Mike finds them all and brings them together for this show.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if well, it it was also they they built them up they were like you know she she so Selma Hayek's character is this wealthy woman who can basically bend people to her will through you know financial incentives so you know she sees something somewhere online and says you got to get this guy you got to get this guy and there's all this fuss about getting this guy they get this guy and you're right like then he disappears and i'm like oh well wasn't he supposed to, was he supposed to be like the grand finale or was he supposed to be the the you know the showcase or he's just then disappears into the background yeah that's kind of annoying all right speaking of things which go from big to small was that oh
2: oh that was quite a good <laughs> very quite nice awesome. quite good like quite good
1: uh,
0: Ant- Ant-Man and the Wasp, <laughs> Quantumania. So uh, I'm going to introduce this for, for whatever it's worth. Uh, these movies, I think, are almost pointless for us to cover on the pod- podcast, because those who will watch it will watch it. Those who won't will not. Um, so, you know, what are we doing? Um, but nonetheless, we, we do have uh, uh, an obligation, because you two went to see a screening, um, of this movie. So, this is the follow-up to what I thought was actually one of the better Marvel movies of its year, which was Ant-Man with the um endlessly uh, charming screen presence Paul Rudd at the helm. Uh, the movie I think was for me refreshing because of its change in tone instead of the the very heavy brooding um you know superheroes, the Marvel movies had all gotten so heavy at that point with Thanos and the snap mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. And then along came Ant Man with its um, almost um, uh, larkishness, like tone, um, mm-hmm. not taking itself too seriously at all. Always, every line of dialogue was was written with with a, a joke and not in a wink. And Paul Rudd didn't seem to be um, taking his job very seriously at all. I think he had more fun on set than. Um, you know than than stress in terms of trying to get his his job right. But uh, so here we have uh, the follow up to that. Uh, Paul Rudd stars again. as uh, Scott Lang. Uh, we have uh, Evangeline Lilly as Hope Van Dyne, um, and they are Ant Man and the Wasp. The Rotten Tomatoes Precy goes. <laughs> Uh, that uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, together with Hope's parents and Scott's daughter, the family finds themselves exploring the quantum realm, interacting with strange new creatures and embarking on an adventure that will push them beyond the limits of what they thought possible. Uh, This movie is directed by Peyton Reed, and again, stars uh, Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Jonathan Majors, Bill Murray, Catherine Newton, Michelle Pfeiffer, I'm sure there are all manner of other famous Michael Douglas. Goodness me, what what a cast we have here. So... Uh, didn't get to make this one. I had a work dinner. Uh, um, so, Yazdi, why don't you tell us what you thought of Ant Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania?
1: So, I have three pages of notes, but. Oh my uh, God, when did you start. write those? <laughs> I was sat next to um, you. <laughs> uh, but the one thing I wrote about four times is that silliness abounds there's so much silliness in this movie um it's safe to say 80 90% of the movie happens you know in this quantum universe and so it's it's a big 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 burden for the CGI folks to carry um i also want to clarify that when i say silliness abounds i mean it in the best way possible i did enjoy it. It's it's a lot of CGI, but as CGI goes, it does not eat up the movie. And also, I'm, I'm a lifelong fan of Michelle Pfeiffer. And I was a little worried because when she was in the original Ant-Man movie, she had like five minutes of screen time. In this one, she has about an hour of screen time. And even now, several years since Michelle Pfeiffer was, you know, a huge star, the camera just loves her face. And so I was just happy to see her front and center. Paul Rudd is always, always welcome on the big screen. Uh, And if I want to leave people with one reason to watch this movie, it's for the villain in this movie. Uh, Jonathan Majors plays the bad guy in this movie. And I'm willing to say he is so good. You know, he's almost better than the movie is. I was so impressed by him. He just completely controls the film. Through all its sloppy dialogue and silliness, he prevails. I like this movie. I don't love it, but I liked it. It's enjoyable.
2: Yeah, it's. I agree with you, Yazdi. It's very entertaining. I like the lighthearted tone of this. Um, mm-hmm. Paul Rudd, like you said, Joe, is just oozes charm. And every time he comes on screen, he just makes you smile. And I think the film is elevated by the fact that we have the addition of, um, is it Catherine Newton? Um who plays his daughter and she's charming. She's as charming as, um, as, uh, Paul Rudd is. Um, I wrote down a few things. I, the thing that struck me the most about this movie is that it feels like a homage to Star Wars. I got a very Mm -hmm. sense of it's, it's really, really like the, the, there's an army in it that looks like the clones. There's, um, a baddie, which is called a Modoc, which has a, a figure, a, it's just a face, um, but it looks like the Darth Vader head. Um, it's very much, you know, um, Jonathan Majors as the baddie being very um, emperor like in terms of what he yeah, can very do. Much. Um, so it, it really is very reminiscent of, I would say, a homage to Star Wars. Um, the quantum world itself, though, feels very like Avatar. It's all CGI, like Joe, said, uh, like Yazdi said, um, and some of it felt l- very reminiscent of the first Avatar movie to me. So it feels derivative, but there's enough going on um, that keeps your interest. Um, and yeah, I agree. Michelle Pfeiffer is amazing in this movie. It's really her, her yeah. movie, I would say, rather than wow. Ant Man and the Wasp. She's she's really yeah. a very worthwhile main character i i'd say um and it's very very funny there are some really laugh out loud funny moments in here um and uh you know uh, my only criticism it gets very michael bay at the end big explosions and bombastic things flying into each other and it's very loud uh we were very lucky to watch this in an imax or a limax theater joe and that was fantastic it was very immersive um yeah, I wouldn't say I loved it. Can I tell you what happened? Doesn't really matter. It's very entertaining.
1: It is very entertaining. I, I that I can say with hand on heart. It's it's goofy. I think the the movie's uh single biggest Ah, uh, handicap is the dialogue. It's just awful, and I, you know, I, I, I was feeling bad. I'm like, these are acad- academy award winning actors. They have to say, like Michelle Pfeiffer has to say silly things. Uh you know, Michael Douglas has to say silly things. Yeah. But you know what? This is what good. This is what good actors do. They yeah. make it stick. And every time it sticks the landing, I, I compare it to another movie, which is exactly in the same category which we saw about six months ago which was Thor Love and Thunder yeah I think that one was kind of similar set in a CGI it was being goofy it was being silly but this movie is so much better according to me than you know Thor Love and Thunder yeah Um, it is it is genuinely funny yeah Yeah.
2: I mean Um, it's I was gonna say Asti one of the things that really irked me and took me out of the movie was Michael Douglas is wearing this very archaic Hearing aid. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed it. And I was I thinking they've it, yeah. been able to go in the quantum realm, but he's still wearing this archaic you know, hearing aid. Yeah, just, know and then there's a reason for it, right? You find out later, you know. Right. Um, there's a reason for it. Yeah. But it was so wedged in it just took me out of the movies like why is Michael Douglas wearing a hearing aid um, he, you know and then there was a there's just a funny observation is there's a you know even the months even the aliens that live in the quantum realm are very reminiscent of the ones we see in Star Wars and there's a man who has like a broccoli head and he reminded me of Bill Nye yeah.
1: yeah I can see that I mean there is a proper scene in the middle of it which is like from the star wars cantina, yeah. right where where you know luke and uh
2: leia han and solo yeah. and leah
1: they go it's exactly like that they go to a cantina where there's all these weird creatures so definitely an homage to star wars yeah, yeah. uh and you're, you're absolutely right even even the army they're all dressed in or they have white heads uh there's a lot of similarity uh yeah I just I just love Jonathan Major's line readings. He was so good.
2: Yeah, he was very with good. With this
1: dialogue, and he was very believable, you know. And we've said this again and again. We said this with the original uh, uh, Wakanda movie, you know, where uh, Michael B. Jordan played the bad guy. When you have a believable bad guy with his own story about mm-hmm. why he is the way he is then it makes all the difference. And here again, uh, you I, I believe the bad guy's story. And you know he he's called Kang, K-A-N-G, but I kept hearing King, K-I-N-G, Me too. and I Me too. I kept hearing King and I'm like, why everybody's calling him King? And again I see that Star Wars kind of Emperor King kind of similarity yeah. there. Uh yeah. and, and the movie is the entire plot uh is around the Michelle Pfeiffer character, which you know, I'm always there for that, so yeah. it's, it's pretty fun. I would give it seven out of ten.
2: Yeah, I think. Uh, I sorry, think... sorry,
1: uh, Rashmi. No, no, yeah, no, no I, I, agree. Yeah. I
2: agree with that. And I was yeah. just gonna say, we are just about to watch, you know, Jonathan Majors is having quite a moment, he's about to be um, the other protagonist in Creed 3. So. Um, yes, it yes. was funny because I remember before you were saying to me before the movie started, gosh, he's popping up everywhere. But I think it's because literally he's in two big movies back to back.
0: It's his moment.
2: It's his moment, hopefully. And he deserves it. He's very good. He was actually in The Five Bloods. Remember the Spike Lee movie mm-hmm. yeah. from a few years ago? Very good actor. Really good.
1: He, I think his debut was... Uh, what was that movie? The *The Last Black Man in San Francisco? Yes. Remember there was a movie yes. that yes. he was in that um And he's also, by the way, in a movie where he plays uh, a boxer who's trying to, you know, get ahead. Very Rocky esque. And that movie won best audience award at Sundance just last month. So you know, he's really having a moment. He's going to be in many movies this year, and good for him.
2: Are you sure that wasn't Creed?
1: No, no, no. It's called something else. I'll look it up. No, it wasn't Creed. It, it, it's all about him.
2: Yeah. So, very good. Yeah. Yeah, that's our, that's our review. Fun times. And I like that Ant Man yeah. is in the title Quantum Mania, which I didn't realize. I was like, ooh, Ant Man is in Quantum. I did,
1: not, I did not realize that either. Yeah. yeah. Did you oh, know it's that? It's like
0: an anagram.
2: Yeah. No, it's Ant Man no, no, no. in Quantum Mania. There's a U so in the middle. The, the letters of the T in the man.
1: So, all the letters in Quantum Mania, you can make Ant Man from it.
0: I, I see it now. It. Yeah,
2: it's like the FedEx
0: arrow. Yeah, the world will never be the same again. I know. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> and again, yes, I, I, yes, I thought yes.
2: again it was good. Good use of the shrink. We said this in Ant Man and the Wasp. Really good use of the shrinking down, and you know. Yeah,
0: it was very getting playful. getting bigger. They were very inventive with that. I hope that they were similarly inventive. Yeah, with the, it was. It wasn't as good, but it was good. Mechanic, because I think that whole. That whole idea was so much fun in the original Ant Man.
2: Yeah, I would yeah. say uh, uh, this is probably name- one of my favorite Avengers Marvel
0: mm-hmm. characters.
1: It's a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, that movie is called Magazine Dreams.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it is cool. about a about a about a bodybuilder, not not a boxer. Sorry,
2: boxer is Creed. You That's know, coming. Discreet, yes. The one thing I'll give Marvel yes. is
0: that generally they have delivered in terms of entertainment. I mean, I don't have a mm-hmm. Disney Plus subscription, but the Marvel catalog, I think, is part of that. And um, mm-hmm. there's very few of those, apart from that, you know, the Thanos one with the snap and the, the god-awful Eternals movie from uh, oh, a Oh, that or was two ago. horrible. Um, everything else yeah. is generally de- delivered smiles. Um, so good, good on them okie okay. Um I've got to go and pack for my flight I was just going to
2: say you've got to pack
0: and it's it's getting to 8.30 so Yazdi we will bid you farewell uh, so that we can uh, get on with the rest of our evening thank you very much yes. for joining uh, the podcast via Skype um, it's always better when we're together Yeah, um,
2: something's better than alas. nothing <laughs>
0: logistics logistics be damned so um, thank you all for listening thank you we always we do appreciate our listeners Uh, thank you if you've made it to this part of the podcast Uh, let us know what you think of these movies until our next podcast which may be a couple of weeks from now Uh, it's a too many movies too little time a goodbye from me
1: and me and me as well safe travels
0: thank you much